49ers giving up the first touchdown on the first drive to the Rams, who looked so impressive, and that was it. Big win for the 49ers. Make no mistake about it. What's up, everybody? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Red and Gold Standard Podcast. My name is Zach Hernandez. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Anthony Perry. Anthony, how you doing tonight? What's going on, Zach? What's going on, Faithful? It is your boy, Perry, back with another edition of the Red and Gold Standard Podcast. Uh, let's get into it, Zach. Big game against the Rams. I know the implications for it regarding the playoffs aren't too big, as some people are saying. But hey, winning a game is still winning a game, and I think this game matters just as much as the next one. So let's get into it, man. I'm ready. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You said it yourself. Um, before we get into it, the you know usuals, where can we find you out on Twitter? All right, guys. To find me on Twitter, as always, the usual, Perry underscore 49ers. That's P-E-R-R-Y underscore 49-E-R-S. Yeah, make sure you guys go follow Anthony. He's very, very close to 1,000 followers. We're going to get him there soon. Uh, you could find me at Zach Hernan, and you can follow the podcast at RGS Pod on Twitter. Uh, make sure you go ahead and follow us now. So, just to recap, the last time these two teams met uh, was earlier in the year, in October. Um, I believe it was uh, week six, and the 49ers won. Um, it, it, the, the Rams got off to a pretty hot start, as as you remember. They, you know, scored on their opening drive, got a touchdown, and then that was it. As you heard in the intro, um, that they they were shut out for the rest of the game, the rest of the three and a half quarters or whatever it was. Uh, the 49ers pitched a clinic. You know, they played pretty well. Um, Jimmy was really efficient, 24 for 33, 243 yards and a pick. That really, really boneheaded throw in the end zone. Uh, Tevin Coleman, nothing, nothing crazy, you know, 18 carries, 45 yards. George Kittle doing George Kittle things, eight receptions, 103 yards. And uh, like I said, yeah, the 49ers won 20-7. So that would be nice to see again, um, especially after last week. Anthony, the 49ers had a really, really tough loss, another loss at the last second. It's the third loss of its kind this year. Um, do the 49ers get back on track Saturday? Yeah, dude, that loss against the Falcons was really frustrating. I mean... You know, in the last podcast, I know it was just me, but I talked a lot of negativity about the Niners that game. I think that was the most I've ever trashed them. And, I mean, with respect to the Niners, you know, I don't mean to trash them in a bad way. It's just me being really critical. But they did not play well against the Falcons, and I brought it up in the podcast how do we think the Niners and Kyle Shanahan play down to lower competition, lower levels of comp. And I think Shanahan's stubbornness and, I guess, ability to not overlook, but really just not think much of games against teams like the Falcons, you know, it's one of those things where you go, ah, yeah, I guess we kind of got away with that one, but it's football. It is what it is. Regardless if he did coach down or not, you lose games, good teams lose bet or good teams lose to bad teams. It happens. But, uh, yeah, I think the Niners can get back on track against the Rams. The Rams, you know, they played really bad against the Cowboys last week. I think it was 44 to 21. They lost by, you know, the defense has just been getting exposed. The offense hasn't been consistent. I know Goff is coming in with an injury. The offense hasn't been the same. You know, there's a lot of factors with the Rams, and we'll get into it. But overall, yeah, I think they can get back on track. You know, just like week six when they played the Rams last time, I don't think they're as intimidating as they are or they ha- uh, they have been. And this is another one of those games where I don't think the Niners are going to overlook them, but they need to be ready because the Rams are always going to play the Niners hard. Yeah, I agree. Um, and, you know, touching on um, the injury, Jared Goff, we'll get into that a little later. But, yeah, I mean, it was it was a tough, tough loss that the 49ers had last week. And, you know, at the same time, you can say, sure, it was a very, very poor performance that they had out there. But when taken into context, I mean, they literally had the toughest three-game stretch at this point in the season in NFL history. So you can't fault them too much, especially when you pile on top of that how injured they were, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Um, it's it's no wonder why the defense was the weak link on the field that that day. So I mean, you take it all with a grain of salt, and you know you put it behind you. Uh, they were saying during the, the game, the broadcasters they were kind of saying, you know, this is the type of game you don't even watch the tape. You just kind of you know what you did, you know what you did wrong. 
and uh, you just move forward and don't allow it again. And hopefully that happens again Saturday. And I agree with you. I do think they get back on track um, with the Rams beating the Seahawks the week before that. The 49ers had that kind of one-game cushion. That is no longer there. So I think they feel the urgency. I think they understand what is at stake. And um, it's a big drop from the first seed to the fifth seed. So, and not, not, not only that, but they do get some guys back healthy. Uh, they get Richard Sherman back healthy. So it's going to be, it's going to be good. And I think they get back on track. Um, to be honest with you, I don't think they can afford to not get back on track, but we'll get into that a little later. Anthony, the four, uh, excuse me, the Rams have arguably the best player in the NFL, especially over the last couple of seasons in Aaron Donald. What can the 49ers do to contain him? Containing Aaron Donald is like saying you're going to stop Randy Moss one-on-one in coverage when he was in his prime. Aaron Donald is having another career season like always. He's got uh, 30 run stops, 12 sacks, 67 total pressures. Again, 12 sacks, 42 hurries. The dude hits home, and he hits home quickly. And now that the Niners don't have Western Rickberg for the season, Mike Person is coming in hurt. You know, the whole entire offensive line has been extremely inconsistent. And as many know, Aaron Donald is an interior tackle, but he can play defensive end also. And Wade Phillips likes to move him around on the line. So whoever he's matching up against, they need to be ready. So if he's up on the end or he's up on the edge, whether it's over McGlinchey or over Staley, I wouldn't be surprised if Kittle or receiver or whoever it might be will try to chip him buy Garoppolo extra time in the pocket. You know, outside of Aaron Donald, Dante Fowler is having a decent season too, but the rest of the Rams' defensive line has not been as good as it was compared to last season. It's just Aaron Donald, you know, and the rest of the crew. So mostly for this game, you know, in the question, contain Aaron Donald, chip him, knock him off his path, try and disrupt his timing, you know, anything you can do to slow down Aaron Donald. Because once again, he's, you know, he's one of the few players on both sides of the ball that can single-handedly impact a game. I mean, I'm talking about levels on like J.J. Watt, DeAndre Hopkins, Odell Beckham when he was working well, Julio, you know, those kind of guys. So stopping Aaron Donald is probably one of the biggest key for the Niners to win this game. And it starts by either doubling him, chipping him, knocking him off, doing anything possible just to, again, give Garoppolo that extra split second of time to make a play or throw the ball. Because if, you know, if you're not covering Aaron Donald or you're getting him one-on-one no matter who he's matched up against, and I like our offensive line. They haven't been performing well recently, but I still like them. But, you know, they face Aaron Donald twice a year, and it's not easy to stop Donald. So double him, chip him, do whatever you have to do to contain him, because if you don't, it's going to be a long afternoon for Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, and, you know, you were saying if they line him up on the edge, you can use George Kittle or running back out of the backfield. The problem is they can line him up anywhere. They can line him up straight over the center. They can line him up, you know, they could probably line him up as a safety and the guy could do some damage. It wouldn't surprise me in the least. Um, So the guy is a total game changer, like you said. And, you know, you use the expression, um, you know, trying to stop Randy Moss one-on-one in his prime. It's like trying to bottle up a hurricane. It's like, how do you contain Aaron Donald? Um, you you kind of just try and limit his his I don't know his his wreck on the his wreckage on the field. Is that a word? I don't. Know. I mean, the guy is a monster. He's a beast, and um, you just kind of have to deal with it. You 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 put up with what you can, and you hope it doesn't completely alter the the course of the game for the Rams' fate. Um, with that being said. He wasn't too much of a a force on the last time these two teams played. He he made some plays, and you know that's what he's gonna do. But for the most part, the Niners I feel like did a good job in keeping him in check, and he wasn't you know MVP Aaron Donald that we've grown accustomed to seeing over the last couple of years. So I definitely think they need to, um, at the very least, know where he is, know you know have a plan for him on every single snap. Because if you're caught slacking, he's going to take advantage of you and he's going to catch you, you know, with your pants around your ankles and make you look like a silly boy out there. So you can't allow that to happen. Um, Anthony, this is the first time the Rams um, battle the 49ers since acquiring Jalen Ramsey. Do you think Jimmy Garoppolo avoids throwing to his side or do you think he doesn't command that sort of respect yet? 
Not gonna lie, I think this might be kind of hot takey, but I feel like Garoppolo and the Niners are gonna go after Jalen Ramsey. Now, I know it's a lot to say because Jalen Ramsey is Jalen Ramsey, but just because you're a household name doesn't mean you instill fear or instill some type of domination. Jalen Ramsey, according to PFF, is having his career worst season. Uh, he's graded out at a 67 overall defensive grade, a 64 cover grade. He has allowed 41 catches on 59 targets. It's just under 70%. He's uh, missed three tackles. He's tackled 42 total times. He's allowed two touchdowns. So Jalen Ramsey is having a very bad season. And when you look at guys like Aaron Donald and Dante Fowler, and I think Michael Brockers, these are guys who will establish a very good pass rush. And I know Aaron Donald didn't do much when we saw him, but he's still Aaron Donald, still Dante Fowler. They're still going to make some noise. And the fact that Jalen Ramsey has a good pass rush at his disposal, just like he did in Jacksonville when Calais Campbell was there, uh, Taven Bryan, you know, and even last year too with Marcel Darius and those kind of guys, it's the fact that he's got a good pass rush again and he's struggling and I don't mean struggling in the sense that he's getting toasted, but he's struggling in the sense that he's not being dominant. He's not that type of dominant player he was in the past. And I don't know what's going on. I don't know if he's injured. I don't know if he's just, you know, low morale, whatever it may be. But whether it's Emmanuel Sanders or Debo, and I know I saw someone on Twitter, I think it was Kyle Madsen, was saying that he would have Jalen Ramsey likely guard George Kittle. You know, whatever the case may be, I think the Niners can go after Jalen Ramsey, especially with guys like George Kittle who can dominate one-on-one, -on -one, or Emmanuel Sanders or Debo Samuel who are so technically good that they can really just stimmy any defensive back in front of them. So no matter who's in front of those guys regarding Jalen Ramsey, I think they're going to go after him. I think they're going to attack him. I think it's going to be one of those things where if Jalen Ramsey does get a pick or if, if he makes some consistent plays... I think they'll stop, but early on, I wouldn't be surprised if they attack Jalen Ramsey right away just to see, you know, where his footing is. Because if, if the Rams get bad Jalen Ramsey, they're going to go after him all day long. But if Jalen Ramsey is on a roll, I think they'll avoid him. So it's 50-50, but to go right off the bat, man, I think they're going to attack Jalen Ramsey to start. Yeah, you know what? Actually, I agree with you. I agree with you in the sense that this season specifically, he's he's been overrated um at least to kind of the the average NFL fan who only knows him as uh, a big name or a big splash uh trade acquisition for the Rams he hasn't really lived up to expectations since coming to LA and you know as as they're a fan of their division rival you can't help but kind of laugh as to you know the the Rams pretty much mortgaging their future through whatever was left of it and this is what they've gotten from him. I mean, it just it, it's it's kind of funny to be honest with you. It's sad as for the Rams, but it's funny for me. Um, and and I do think that the 49ers are going to test him early, and if they're able to find success, I think they continue to go at him. Just like you said, I think that um, it, you mentioned him being on George Kittle. Jalen Ramsey is a dog when he's when he's on, but. I don't think he's the type of dog that George Kittle is, if that makes sense. I think George Kittle at his best is better than Jalen Ramsey at his best. And um, when when Jimmy's playing well, uh, you know, a perfectly thrown ball, you can't defend it. And George Kittle on the opposite end of that perfectly thrown ball, running over anything and anyone in his path, you definitely can't defend that. So I like George Kittle's chances. And, you know, even, even you mentioned uh, Manuel Sanders, Debo Samuel. I think Emmanuel would be a great matchup on Jalen if they choose to kind of not put uh, George Kittle on him or if George Kittle's just not being shadowed. I definitely think uh, the 49ers have the advantage there. However, if Jalen is on, it's going to be a it's going to be a dogfight. It's going to be a really, really good matchup out there. So it's going to be exciting to see. I do like the 49ers chances in this one. I don't think um, Jalen Ramsey becomes his old vintage all pro Jalen Ramsey that he was in Jacksonville just on Saturday. I don't see it happening. Um, I don't know if he's not used to the system. What if you're not used to the guys he's playing with, whatever the case may be, he just hasn't looked the same and the 49ers have to take advantage of that early. Um, especially I saw the Rams uh, 
injury report, we can get into that right now real quick. Let me list it out. I saw that they have uh, cornerback Troy Hill did not practice today. Uh, he didn't practice yesterday with a thumb injury. And, uh, you know, their entire injury report, tight end Gerald Everett, uh, he was a full participate for a, uh, excuse me, participant with a knee injury. Greg Zerline, their kicker, has a right quad injury. He did not practice. And then Jared Goff has that thumb injury that we mentioned. Uh, he, he has been a full participant in practice the last couple of days, but it's worth noting he does have that injury. And if he happens to smack his thumb on the back of a, uh, his offensive lineman's helmet, as quarterbacks often do, is he going to be have forced to be taken out of the game? Um, and then wrapping it up, uh, the tackle, Andrew Whitworth uh, and Todd Gurley both missed practice. Or excuse me. Um, Andrew Whitworth missed practice yesterday. Todd Gurley missed practice today. Um, but it was non-injury related. And as far as the 49ers, they had a pretty long injury report, unfortunately. Again, safety just quisky tart. Uh, did not practice. He is out with rib injury. Julian Taylor, uh, elbow injury. He's been limited. And Mike Person, who kind of showed up randomly, he he was questionable. And then I guess he was limited with a neck injury. And Sherm and Kwan Williams are both full participants. Uh, Sherm was dealing with a hamstring injury, and Kwan had the concussion. So the 49ers will be very, very lucky, and I'm sure appreciative to get back Kwan and Sherm this week, going going up against the Rams. Moving on, Anthony last week against the Falcons, the offense they didn't really ever seem to get a rhythm going. Um, they didn't really seem to find their flow. It was kind of, I mean, they had like a, what, a 21 play drive or something like that. That's not the 49ers offense that we've grown accustomed to seeing this season. What can they do on Saturday to ensure that they get things flowing early on? Yeah, dude, I talked all about it last podcast. The Niners barely squeaked by with over 300 yards of total offense in 11 drives. One of those drives was a 21-play touchdown, which Kyle Shanahan is not accustomed to. I mean, Kyle Shanahan is really similar to Andy Reid in the sense that if his defense gives up a touchdown in like eight minutes, like an eight-minute drive, seven-minute drive, Kyle Shanahan and Andy Reid will go out there and their offense will score in less than a minute. And it happened in the Saints game quite a bit. So to get going, they need to establish the run early. Clock control, clock clock control, clock control. It's one of those things where they need to tire out that Rams defense, tire out Aaron Donald, tire out those linebackers and those secondary players, and just go after them. Attack them right down their throats, man. Get Raheem Mostert going. Get Matt Breida going. Hopefully Tevin Coleman can get going because he's been struggling. And um, I think this is going to be a big run game game once again, just like the last time they played. You know, the last time they played, let's see, I have it right here. They, where is it? Here it is. The Niners ran, or the Niners had over 300 yards of total offense. And, you know, they only ran the ball 99 times, but, or 99 yards, excuse me. But what's crazy is that they ran the ball out of 41 attempts. So 41 attempts, they they ran for 99 yards. They only averaged two a carry. And I'm talking about the Niners, dude. That's pretty, like, insane to run over 40 times not even get 100 yards. So I know when you hear that, it doesn't sound like the run game was successful against the Rams. But in quite honesty, I think when Shanahan was running the ball, it was mostly in late third, early fourth quarter and on when the Niners had a pretty good lead and they were just trying to get the clock out, trying to get the game over with. And I think it's going to be another one of those games where the Niners can jump out to an early lead, force some turnovers, especially with Sherman being back, Kwan being back. You know, Julian Taylor is going to be back too, so the defensive line is a little healthier at least. So... Being able to force turnovers, being able to actually run the ball this time, and I mean, not average, you know, two yards a carry, but get to what the Niners do, average four to five yards a carry, run for over 100 yards, tire out the Rams defense, you know, you run the ball well in Kyle Shanahan's offense, it's going to set up play action, it's going to set up big plays. And it's going to be those type of things that I think they're going to need to beat the Rams. And this is the thing, too, is the Rams' defense just gave up 44 points to the Cowboys, who who had been struggling mightily before the Rams, the Cowboys have. And so this is the type of game where you see how the Rams did in Dallas against the Cowboys. 
you damn well know the Rams can slip up against the Niners. And I really think the Niners have a better offense than the Cowboys. I know the Cowboys have one of the top offenses in the league. But what gets the Cowboys' offense going is like the Niners, more or less. You run the ball with Zeke, get the run game going, and that sets up Dak Prescott. Well, if you get Mostert and Breida going, set up Jimmy Garoppolo, set up play action, open up to George Kittle, Emmanuel Sanders, Debo Samuel, you know, the Niners have so many weapons, and I think the weapons they have are arguably just as good as the Cowboys. So if the Cowboys can put up 44, the Niners can put up 44, man, on the Rams. And I know that week six game doesn't really tell the whole story. It was 20 to 7. But when the Niners are on one, just like the Saints game, just like the Panthers game, even just like the Browns game too, Dude, the Niners can bust it wide open, and I think they have the chance to do that against the Rams, but it starts with establishing the run, and it starts with making their presence known early, tire out that defense, and again, dude, just go after them. Go after them hard. Yeah, you know, I I really, um, I think that the key, honestly, is getting the wide receivers going early. Um, I definitely think... Last week, the 49ers, they were affected by not really getting uh, Debo and Emmanuel Sanders involved enough. Um, I think I I read, if I remember correctly, they had like three catches for 38 yards for uh, on like seven targets. Um, You know, it just it's that's not going to win you a football game. That's not enough to get the job done, even against the lowly Atlanta Falcons Um, looking forward to the playoffs. They need to get these guys involved. Their weapons, their threats with um, when they have the ball in their hands and you know room in front of them, and the 49ers can't continue to expect to find success constantly going to George Kittle and only George Kittle and not even looking to anybody else. So I think I know you you said uh, you you like their to get it going on the ground and to get a good running game. And while that is a big key, um, I think the Rams gave up something like 268 total rushing yards last week. Um, if I'm, if my memory is correct, that's insane. That is ridiculous. So the 49ers definitely have a good chance of getting back to the ground game that we had seen earlier in the season when they were leading the league in rushing. Um, but I would actually like to see them get back to Debo and Emmanuel Sanders. And, and you know, not, not to get away from George Kittle at all, because George Kittle is the best player on this team without a doubt, but I would still like to see the wide receivers get more involved because that kind of helps the entire offense, I think, uh, become more well-rounded, and I think that they can't they can't afford to continue going in there uh, without them involved and expect to find success, like I said. So I would like to see that, even if, you know, you're, you, you script plays to get Debo or Sanders involved, um, j- just the only thing I ask is please stop with the, the tight end end arounds with George Kittle. Cause they never seem to work, man. As talented as George Kittle is, they're always, you know, two to three yard losses. And I, I don't understand why we keep doing them. I know Shanahan's always thinking long picture, big picture here, and probably trying to set up something two quarters down the stretch, but it's like, come on, just, just, just shelve the play. You don't got to deal with it anymore. Uh, moving on. Still to the offense, but let's switch our focus to the running game. Should Raheem Mostert be the featured back moving forward? Has he proved enough? Yeah, I mean, there's not much to explain about this one, Zach. Raheem Mostert needs to be the primary ball carrier. You know what's funny is I, you know, I keep saying I talked about this in the Falcons game, but I did. It's a good point to bring up. When I saw Matt Breida fumble that ball out of bounds right before the next carry, he fumbled away. I thought, like, I, I don't know, dude. I had, like, bad feelings. I was like, oh, dude, I think Matt Breida's going to fumble. And you know what? He fumbled. So I'm not trying to knock Matt Breida in any way, but I think his usage right now is still best in a limited role. He needs to get his feet back. He needs to get fully healthy. He needs to be ready to play and ready to ball. And I, I just don't think he's at that level yet. I think he still needs to get acclimated. But for now, dude, Raheem Mostert needs to get the ball. He needs to get 20, 30, 40, 50 carries. I, <laughs> I don't care, dude. It's wild. I mean, he's averaging, you know, nearly 100 yards a game his past three games. You know, I know he had that big New Orleans game 
where, uh, or excuse me, that Baltimore game where he ran for, what, 146 yards? Dude, he blew up in Baltimore. He ran for 69 yards in New Orleans, excuse me. But it's things like that where Raheem Mostert is just, he's ready to bust out a big play. And prior to the Falcons game, he only ran 54 yards. You know, he barely averaged four yards in attempt. And New Orleans and Baltimore combined, he averaged over seven yards a carry. And that just shows you the type of ability Raheem Mostert has. The dude has, like, stop-and-go speed, you know, faster than I could even imagine in the league. And you see very few wide receivers have that ability. Running backs have that ability. And Mostert is one of those running backs who can just hit 0-60 to in, like, two seconds. So... Raheem Mostert needs to be the ball guy. He really needs to be the primary carrier going forward. You know, Tevin Coleman has been struggling. I don't know what's going on with him. Obviously, Kyle Juszczyk is a fullback. He'll only get a carrier too. And then Matt Breida still needs time to get his feet wet. I don't think he's fully ready. And the way Mostert has been playing the past three games, dude, arguably even the past four games, he deserves every opportunity. He has worked hard for this. You know, he goes more than just being a special teams gunner, dude. He's also one of the most underrated running backs in the league when he's given his opportunity. So give him the carries, open lanes for him. If their offensive line can get to even, like, how good it was in the Baltimore game, I know it was raining, but the offensive line in the run game was really good. If they can get to that level, my hot take is that Raheem Mostert can run for over 200 yards. He is that dominant. He is that powerful. He is that quick and agile as a runner. You give him a lane, he's gone. He will outrun any linebacker. He can outrun safeties. Again, you give him a lane, he's gone. And if Mostert can get going, if Mostert can have one of those big games, it's going to be a nice and easy day for Garoppolo. I really think that. So give Mostert the ball. Let him take the ball moving forward. If Shanahan has confidence in Brita, okay. But right now, dude, I'm riding Mostert. He's the hot hand. He's earned it. And right now, I think he's the best running back on the team. And I know that's a lot of recency bias, but come on, Zach. You got to admit, Mostert has been pretty damn impressive the past few weeks. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. Um, I think that he's been the most impressive back. And the, the thing that impresses me the most is that he continues to still perform really, really well on special teams. Uh, he's often the first guy running down to to tackle on a punt. You know, he he's he's a very well-rounded player, and I I'm super happy that he's finding this level of success uh, at this level at this stage in his career. Um, he's kind of been somewhat of a journeyman up until he found the his place with the 49ers, and even previously with the 49ers, he's kind of been thought of as an emergency running back slash really really good special teams player. And this year, Kyle Shanahan has been able to kind of mold his talents to his likings. And he's he's been able to, you know, find a good good amount of success, uh, especially in the last couple of weeks um, with, you know, Matt Breida being out, Tevin Coleman not really being it, uh, Jeff Wilson still being a goal line back for the most part. Raheem Mostert has, has thrived. He's been really, really good. And I don't think you could logically make the case against making him the featured back moving forward, especially with what he's shown. And, you know, I was going through his stats and even, you know, in the, in the earlier months in the season, going back to September, I mean, he was averaging 5.9 yards a carry in September uh, and even October, five yards, November, 4.8. And, you know, this month of December, he's averaging 6.3 yards per carry. So out of the last four months of the season, the lowest he's averaged is 4.8 yards a carry, which is, it's insane. I mean, you can hand the ball off to the guy and expect, you know, a touchdown or excuse me, a first down every two plays essentially. So it's, it's, it's great to see. And I really, really do think that he's a very talented running back. Um, I think that he, he definitely, he's a patient runner, but he's got that burst, man. As soon as he hits that hole and he sees daylight He's out. He's out of there. He hits that that speed turbo button and he's gone. Good luck tackling him. So I, I would love to see him as the main back moving forward. Um, you know, at, at this point, I say get Breda healthy for the postseason. Uh, get Coleman, you know, he could be the, the back to spell Mostert. But let, let Mostert eat it up. Let him get that experience. Let him get some confidence going into the postseason where you need a very, very good confident 
experienced stable of running backs to kind of carry your team along. So, you know, I, I don't see the harm in it. And I think it's, it, it, it's a win-win. And, you know, like you said, the Rams were torched on the ground last week. So this is the perfect scenario to go all in on Moster if I'm Kyle Shanahan and I let him just take take the full reins of the offense. I mean, obviously I'm being hyperbolic, but he should be allowed to to be the main back. I, I don't have a problem saying that at all. Um, earlier, we kind of talked about Jared Goff and his thumb injury. Uh, do you think it's going to be a factor? No, I don't think it's going to be too much of a factor. Actually, you know, I lied. I take that back. I, I think it will be a factor. Jared Goff has been wildly inconsistent this season, dude. Wildly inconsistent. I think whether it's a big thumb injury or it's a little thumb injury, it doesn't really matter, bro. It's some kind of injury he has. With his inconsistency, dude, he's one of the worst quarterbacks when he's pressured, and that was obvious the last time they played the Rams. And I know D Ford isn't there, but I think with Whitworth hurt, whether he plays or not, the Rams' offensive line has not been good. They haven't been able to run block well. They haven't been able to pass block well. And this is going to be a big Nick Bosa, DeForest Buckner, Julian Taylor, Eric Armstead game, bro. Even Solomon Thomas. You know, if the defensive line can get after Goff, I think they can really make an impact against the against the Rams. And you pressure Goff. Force you know, force him to throw the ball out of the pocket or force some pressure in the pocket. Goff will make bad throws. It happens. He has not been good this season. He's been wildly inconsistent, and I can't express that enough, dude. You get after Goff, you pressure him, throws a couple interceptions, fumbles the ball. It'll be just like week six, dude. This game will be over instantly, and I firmly believe that. So, thumb injury... Yeah, I think it's going to bother Goff. You know, I don't even know if Brandon Cooks is playing. That dude has been hurt so much. You know, Cooper Cup has been pretty good, but he's been underwhelming the past few weeks. You know, a hidden gem they have on offense has been tight end Tyler Higby. He's actually been one of the more underrated tight ends in the season. He's like a he's honestly like a poor man's Kittle. He doesn't block as well as Kittle, but he's very good after the catch. He's very physical and he can make some noise. So you know, look for Jared Goff to go after Tyler Higby quite a bit if his receivers aren't getting open, especially with Sherman being back. So pressure Goff, make him make some throws, because if that thumb injury is worse than anyone is saying it is, it's going to be a long day for Goff. Whether the offensive line for him blocks well or not, you know, you've seen a lot of things about how the Niners' pass rush has not been good the past few weeks, and it's true, they haven't. You know, with all the injuries, the depth is being challenged. A lot of guys like Bosa and Buckner, even Armstead, Solomon Thomas, dude, they're getting 90% of the snaps. So these guys are getting tired, man. They're they're wearing long, dude. It's a long season. But uh, in any event, though, go after Goff. Take advantage of whatever injury he has going on with him. Pressure him. Game over. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see, um, without a doubt, because... As I said earlier, it could be something as minor as, you know, the follow through on a pass and he happens to, to, to hit his thumb on his own lineman's helmet. That could be enough to, to re-injure it, to aggravate it. Um, I'm not quite sure to what degree his thumb is bothering him or how much pain he's playing through. But it could be something that minuscule to kind of really, really affect his performance. So... The 49ers, I think, need to have their foot on the gas as far as getting home um, on 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 the defensive line, on their edge rush. Now, don't get me wrong. Don't misinterpret this in any way as me wishing injury on Jared Goff or any player for that matter. I'm not the guy to do that. I think it's trash when fans do that. Um, but it, it's something that um, they need to get in his head. I don't want his thumb to be the reason why he's he doesn't play well. I want the 49ers defensive line to be so overwhelmingly powerful and the Rams to be completely incapable of blocking at that. That is the reason why the 49ers win this game. However, you got to keep it in mind that it is a very, very, you know, there's a high, there's a light, high chance that it could get re-injured and that it could cause him to come out. And in that case scenario, the 49ers are, are going to feast. Um, but you know, I think there's a good chance that it could be a factor. And, you know, you've I saw Goff the rest of the night kind of rubbing his thumb, flicking his hand. You know, you could tell he was playing through some pain. So who knows how he's going to be a week removed from that. But only time will tell, I guess. Um, now, Anthony, last week, 
the 49ers defense, I know you covered this in the podcast real quick um, last week when uh, the Falcons game, excuse me. Are we going to see a similar performance? I hope to God not. But do you think that the 49ers defense gets it together on Saturday or is it going to be another long day? I think, you know, I think what made the Falcons game as tough as it was outside of the Niners is injuries, dude was Matt Ryan and Julio Jones. That's one of the best quarterback wide receiver duos in the NFL, arguably NFL history for as long as they've played together. And it really see it really shows what happens when two guys like that have really good chemistry. And I mean Julio Jones took advantage of, you know, not undersized I would say, but Emmanuel Mosley is five foot eleven, Julio Jones is six foot three. So you could say Julio Jones made uh Mosley look like DJ Reed. But uh nah dude, Julio Jones is just a dominant wide receiver. He's still one of the best in the league. And there's not much you can do to stop Julio when you have guys like Mosley and Witherspoon who have never faced a Julio Jones before. Now I'm not saying they haven't gone up against good talent because I know Spoon has faced Beckham. Mosley has faced good wide receivers on the season, so it happens, but they haven't quite faced a number one like 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 a number one number one like Julio Jones. And coming into this game again, I don't know if the Rams are gonna be playing Brandon Cooks. It sounds like he is. Uh Cooper Cup, you know, they're good wide receivers, but they're not Julio Jones wide receivers. So I don't think it's going to be a bad day for the defense. I think Robert Sala and the defense are going to be improved immensely from last week. You know, the Falcons game was just a clunker. That's what happens. I mean, the defense looked tired. They looked exhausted. Nick Bosa even said they looked tired, dude. So coming into this Rams game, I expect a lot more energy. George Kittle and Kyle Juszczyk both made it sound like post-game after the Falcons game and during all their interviews this week that they weren't going to sleep on the Rams. They are coming in pissed off. They want to win. And, you know, they were pissed off after the Baltimore game, dude, and look what happened in New Orleans. They blew up the Saints. So you get a pissed-off Niners team, whether they're fully healthy or not, they're going to put up 40 on the Rams. And I'm not saying they will, but they can. When they have that kind of mindset, when they're ready, when they're hungry, these guys can do anything, man. And they can do it against the Rams. The Rams have not been good this season. They've been wildly inconsistent. I know I keep saying that, I keep saying that, but I want to really hit that point home. If we get the bad Rams, this will be an easy and quick game for the Niners. If we get the good Rams, it's going to be a long day for the Niners. But overall, I think they can slow down the Rams' offense, and the one thing they couldn't really do was pressure Matt Ryan that much. So if they could pressure Jared Goff, Jared Goff is not Matt Ryan. Jared Goff is not a top 10 quarterback this year. If they can pressure him, if they can get after him, if they can shut down Todd Gurley, who's also been very bad this season, he has decent numbers. I think he's got 10 rushing touchdowns, but that really doesn't tell the whole story. The dude is not playing healthy. You can tell the arthritis in his knee is really acting up. Todd Gurley does not look like the running back that he used to be in the past. So you slow down Goff, you slow down Gurley. I'm not even tripping about the rest of the Rams' offensive weapons, dude. You stop those two, I think you stop the Rams in their tracks entirely. Yeah, I mean, you made a great point about the 49ers coming out angry. Listening to the press conference postgame on Sunday, you could tell they were pissed off. Um, I love George Kittle's comment. Um, I'm not sure which reporter asked him how he felt, um, but he said, you know, I pretty much something along the lines of paraphrasing, but that they left unfinished business out there. And he goes, I want to play right now. I would play another game right now if I could. I'm that fired up. I'm that angry. And I really, really do think that we're going to see that on the field uh, Saturday night. And, you know, we haven't even talked about this being, I think you maybe mentioned it earlier. It's the last home game of the season. The 49ers know that they need to give their fans, um, you know, some a, a good show. And they're very, very, from what it seems like, very, very appreciative of what the fans have been able to do as far as getting Levi's rocking this year, um, their first successful year there. So I, I think they're going to come out, and I think they're going to come out firing on all cylinders, um, especially against a division rival, especially with the number one seed on the line. I definitely like their chances. I think we see a much, much better performance from the 49ers defense going back to the original question. Um, I think they got coached up. I think they got coached up, probably yelled out, coached up, whatever you want to call it. I think they got they got what they needed to get done. Um, they probably 
they probably had some leaders step up. I'm not going to lie. They probably had some guys step up um, and give the speeches, tell the guys, call them out, whatever was necessary. And, you know, sometimes you just lose a hard game. Sometimes that happens in the NFL. That's why they say any given Sunday. But good teams do not allow that to happen, especially twice in a row. So they definitely need to show they are a good team. They belong with the top tiers, especially in the NFL, not just the NFC, but the entire NFL. And I think they do that on Saturday. Um, Let's go ahead and wrap it up here, Anthony. You know how we do it here at the Red and Gold Standard Podcast. We give you our final score prediction, and then we pick uh, one player who we think will be the MVP. Anthony, you want to go first? You want me to go first? I'll go for it, man. I think the Niners are going to come back strong. This is their last home game, like you said. They've been playing very passionate at home this season. Although they have, what I think they've lost more home games than road games. So you could say the Niners are better on the road. But uh, nah, dude, they're going to come back strong. Kittle was hungry. Garoppolo was pissed. Bosa looked upset. Buckner wasn't happy. I can go on and on. The Niners are going to play pissed. They're going to be play. They're going to be playing hard against the Rams. They're going to make the Rams remember why the Niners are the kings of the NFC West. Why the Niners should take that crown. And overall, dude, I think it's going to be a solid day from the Niners. I don't think it's going to be a dominant day from the Niners, but I do think it's going to be a solid day. I'm going to say Niners 28, Rams 17. I think the Rams are going to be able to move the ball against a still kind of injured defense, but the pass rush is going to be more effective. I think the secondary is going to play well. You know, Sherman, K1 are back, so that should be a big boost. Overall, though, 28-17, to 17, I think the Niners' as offense is going to do well. The defense will force some turnovers. The offense will take advantage of that. It's going to be a pretty easy Garoppolo day, but I think it's going to be a big day from Mostert. And I think my MVP dude on offense, I'm going to go with Raheem Mostert, man. I said it. He has the ability to run for over 200 yards. It sounds crazy. It sounds really crazy, but I think this is a game he's going to do it. I really think the Niners can get the run game going against the Rams, and I think it's going to start with Mostert. So I'm going to say Mostert is going to get, let's say, I think he's going to get 19 carries. He's going to get a bunch. 19 carries, 207 yards. He's going to run for two touchdowns. That's my offensive MVP, dude. And for defensive MVP, just because i got to bring it up, I think Warner is going to get an interception. I think Warner is going to get a pick six. And again, I know it's going to be an easy offense day, but I think the defense is going to play very well. Warner, pick six, bro. Warner's going to be my MVP on top of that. He's going to get a bunch of tackles, a bunch of TFLs. Fred Warner got slept on, dude. He should be a pro bowler. I know he's probably going to end up being an alternate, but regardless, dude, Warner is having a very, very solid season, and he's he's going to show a lot of people why he deserves to be an all-pro in this game. So Fred Warner, man, a bunch of TFLs, and I think he's going to get a pick six. Okay. All right. I like it. I like it a lot, especially showing some love to to Warner. You know, that's our guy here. Um, I definitely think the 49ers come out, like I said earlier, firing on all cylinders. I know you were saying you don't think it's going to be a blowout particularly. I think it's going to be somewhat of a blowout, to be honest with you. Um, they're, they know they have the national spotlight on them. They know that it's a night game. They know that they have a lot of eyes, especially coming off a loss like that. I'm going to go with 41 to 24. And I think um, the Rams probably score a touchdown or two at garbage time at the end. Um, I think the 49ers come out angry. I think they come out with a purpose and um, they come out with a lot to prove. And I think they do it. I think they get the job done uh, for my player. You named two. So I'm going to go with two as well. My first one, I'm going to go with Jimmy. Of course, it's hard not to go with Jimmy. I think he's going to be... He's very, very efficient as a passer. We don't see him drop back that often 40 times. So I'm going to say he's going to be like 24 for 29, uh, 302 yards. And I think he has three touchdowns. And I don't think he has any any turnovers. I'm going out on a limb and saying that. He's really, really turned it on the last couple of weeks. So I, I don't think he has any turnovers. And for my second guy, I mentioned him earlier as far as him needing to be involved more. Debo Samuel, the rookie. I think Kyle learned from his mistake. I think he's going to learn from uh, not getting him involved since he's really, really been on one. 
And I think that Debo goes off this week. And I think he has seven catches for 114 yards and a touchdown himself. Um, And, you know, he kind of gets that streak going again, going into the final game of the season and a very, very pivotal week 17 showdown in Seattle against the Seahawks. So it's going to be it's going to be a great matchup the next two weeks, whatever happens. Uh, we surely know that it's been a hell of a season thus far, and it's been, you know, really, really good and really, really fun to watch from a 49ers fan perspective who's been really, really down and out the last couple of years. So it's really, really nice to see them get back to the glory days, essentially. Now, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself here, but even the fact that, you know, they've won this many games, through, you know, we're nearing the end of the season. It's just amazing. Um Anthony, we only have one question for our RGS mailbag. It's from Zay Ward on Twitter. Uh, he wanted to know, with the injuries and the brutal schedule the 49ers just went through, do you think that they have a chance at winning the last two games and take the number one seed back? Or do you think they're simply too worn down and it's more likely that they end up in that fifth seed going on the road to whoever wins the NFC East? I saw Eric Davis on Twitter respond to you saying the Niners will not be the number one seed, and I'm going to call bull on that, Eric Davis. <laughs> no, I think, uh, I don't think they're, well, you can say every team is worn down, but at this point in the season, it's a matter of who is the most mentally, physically prepared to take on these last two games of the season. You know, whether you're facing the Rams and Seahawks or say whether you're playing the Patriots and the Ravens or the Bills and the Chiefs, you know, I'm, I'm just saying that if your last two games are brutal and they're tough like the Niners' are, I know the Rams aren't good. They're they're very overrated, I think, but they can still put up a good, uh, good game. The, the, uh, the Niners need to be ready, but uh, I don't think they're worn down. I think they're very youthful outside of, obviously, Sherman, who's older, and I mean, God, is that it? Sherman's like damn near the only dude over 30 aside from Joe Staley. And I think Mike Person too. But um, nah, they're a very young, youthful, energetic team. Quan Alexander is still hanging around the team, giving them lots of life and energy. So it's things like that that really make or break playoff teams. And again, the Niners are young, dude. Those bodies, those young bodies are ready to go out there and they're ready to make plays. The Niners have one of the youngest teams in football on both sides of the ball. So... Going forward, dude, I think the Niners are going to be prepared. I think they're going to be ready. I think they can take back that number one seed. And we'll have a really good show after this game and once we break down or once we uh, preview the Seahawks game. But uh, I think they can, dude. I also think that the Cardinals can upset the Seahawks this season or what, Saturday, Sunday? I think the Cardinals can upset the Seahawks. I know that's me speaking as a homer, (laughs) but I think they can do it, bro. But, uh, nah, I think the Niners can take the number one seed. They do. They're hungry. They're pissed. You lose a game like you do to the Falcons, or you lose a game like you did to the Ravens or even the Seahawks, and you're going to play hungry, bro. I know Seattle is a hard place to play in, but I think the Niners are very good on the road. And going forward, all I can say is, dude, is they're ready. They're ready to ball their asses off. They're ready to take that number one seed back, and they're ready to prove a lot of people wrong. All right. I love it. I love it. Um, I, I agree with you. I agree with you. Um, I think that I respectfully, of course, disagree with Eric Davis as well. I do think they finish as the number one seed. Um, I think Kyle Shanahan is too good of a coach to allow this team to kind of underwhelm and under succeed the last two weeks of the season with all that's on the line. Knowing his team desperately needs those bye week to get the the rest in and I think that they get the job done. Um I think Saturday they get out they they get out there against the Rams. They take care of business setting themselves up with a really really good chance at taking care of business in Seattle as well. Uh like you said they've they've played really really well on the road, which is insane to say, but what they've lost one game on the road uh, and that was the last second kick against Baltimore. Um, you know, minus that they're undefeated. So it's like it, I think they have a chance and I know the 49ers historically have not done well in Seattle, but looking back against all those teams, if any team was going to win in Seattle, it's this team, it's this team. Um, so I, I really like their chances and we'll get into it obviously after the Rams game when we preview Seattle, 
But Josh Gordon isn't there anymore, who is a pivotal role player for them or has been since he got claimed by them. So that's going to be huge for them as well. So I, I, I like their chances at finishing out the season, the number one seed. Um, I wouldn't count them out just yet. Definitely not, because this team has proven that they're able to to overcome whatever the, the whatever life, I guess, puts in their way, you could put it. So I definitely like their chances finishing up as a number one seed. Um, as far as our standard shout-out, guys, we just have one shout-out for you guys tonight, and it's going to our uh, editor, our producer, he, the guy's great, Stefan Kruger, um, at, I, gosh, I've never actually pronounced this before, at J-A-V, is, I, I don't know if it's Hav, uh, 95 underscore on Twitter. You guys probably know him, I'm sure. He's a great dude, and he does so much for us. We just wanted to give him a quick shout-out and say thank you, Steph. We really appreciate all you do for us. Um, but, yeah, Anthony, you got any final thoughts here? You know, I brought it up earlier, but I want to make it a big point just to close out. The Niners got to stop Jared Goff, and they got to stop Todd Gurley. I think that I think the Niners is offensive line, and I think that offense can handle the Rams' defense. I don't think the Rams' defense is that intimidating, especially now that their cornerback Troy Hill is out for the game. So really, it's just Jalen Ramsey and a bunch of other DBs, honestly. But uh, if they if they can slow down Jared Goff, who I know he's very inconsistent, but Jared Goff is a good quarterback when he's going. But if they slow down Jared Goff, and if they can just if they can just slow down Todd Gurley, I know Todd Gurley's been inconsistent too. He's been hurt, but he can still go out there and he can still bust some big plays. So if they can stop those two, I think the Niners are going to have a good day on defense. It's going to be a very balanced attack on both sides of the ball for the Niners. But if they stop those two on on defense, dude, Jared Goff, Todd Gurley, I'm not really worried about the other pieces. It's just those two. And I know it's kind of silly to point out the two most inconsistent players on that team, but you look at what they can do, and you do have to worry about that a little bit. So you slow down those two guys, you go after them, you pressure Goff, you stop Gurley in his tracks. It'll be a good day for the defense. I really believe the defense can bounce back against the Rams. All right, I love it. And, uh, you know, we, we didn't even get into much the kind of whole dynamic of, you know, disciple versus teacher and Sean McVay versus Kyle Shanahan. Um, and I think that's another key that Kyle Shanahan can't allow himself to kind of outsmart himself is kind of the way I've liked to word it. Word it. Um, he kind of almost seems like sometimes he gets in his own head and he's trying to think outside of the box that he's already thinking outside of. So he needs to just stick to what he believes in and get the job done. I think the 49ers take care of business this weekend. I think that they win, like I said. I think I said something like along the lines of 40, 41 to 24. Um, I like to see it. I like to see it. And, uh, you know, shout out to my brother, Eric. He's going to be at that game. I hope you have a great time, Eric. Um, we'll have to get you on the pod sometime soon. Thank you, guys. We really appreciate you for tuning in to the Red and Gold Standard Podcast. Uh, again, my name is Zach. You can find me on Twitter at Zach Hernan. And yeah, thank you guys. We appreciate it. Hopefully we see, talk to you guys after the 49ers beat the Rams.